Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel, joined, as always, during football season by the one and only David Simone. No guests this week, just Dave and I talking Bearcats. Also, if you uh, are interested, I recorded a podcast yesterday, the Screen the Screener podcast, uh, as a guest and talked about some some Bearcats basketball. That is up on the message board if you want to check out that podcast. Did you get a chance to listen to me today, Dave? I have not yet. Come on. I will probably probably do that tomorrow. I had a a shortened day today, so it uh, didn't allow me to have any listening podcasts. It was, uh, it was, I thought, a very good show. The, the, the questions were good. I thought the host was, uh, was very bullish on the Bearcats, had the Bearcats winning the AAC, and uh, they, they had Kane Broom first-team All-American Conference. So, Well, that would make, uh, that would make the second, quote-unquote, national person that I've seen today who has said that the Bearcats were their preseason pick to win the conference. Uh, NBC Sports, I think, does a really good job covering college basketball, not just focusing on the Power Five, so to speak. Uh, posted their AAC preview, I believe it was yesterday, and had the Bearcats at the number one spot. It's nice to, to be talking about good things. We'll, we'll, That's right. We'll, we'll, we can get into that some more later as yeah. uh, media day is next week where we will not have had a podcast uh, before that. I believe it's Monday, so we can kind of preview that tonight as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll start the college basketball talk up here uh, as we get a little bit closer and closer to the start of the season. Uh, one month from yesterday is opening day. so Wonderful. It is almost that time for some Bearcats basketball. There's also quite a few notes on the uh, Cincinnati uh, uh, inter-squad scrimmage from yesterday that I was uh, I might or might not have been in attendance for. Might or might not. <laughs> um, but first, we're gonna we're gonna talk some football. We're gonna try to hash this thing out. It has not been pretty, um, Dave. I. I almost don't know what to say because they just these past couple of weeks. I mean, it, it hasn't even been competitive. It's been uh, rather frustrating. It's gotten out of hand quick. I mean, I you you could have blinked and missed the first two touchdowns against Central Florida, and well, again they started slow and it, it's not they're not in a good place right now. I would say that's the you know I, there's lots of frustrating parts, but. I would say that might be the most frustrating is the slow starts aren't even giving them a chance because, you know, if you just take into take the UCS game, for instance, the whole game plan is out the window when you're down 13, nothing three minutes into the game. So, you know, what, what are you to do at that point? You know, you, you're, Scrapping your game plan, so to speak, you're changing personnel around. In the in that game, they tried, which I'm not entirely sure I agreed with the moves, but they tried to put different guys in the secondary, and I can I can appreciate that. I mean, the the thing that doesn't work is just running the same 
seeing guys out there and thinking that something different is going to necessarily happen. But it's a slow start. I want to say uh, Lance McAllister touched on it last night. I think this season they've been outscored something like four. You know, they've scored 14 points and given up 62 or, so, or something like that points in the first quarter. And you're just not giving yourself a shot, especially against, you know, teams like Nate. I mean, they've played a, what's turned out to be a pretty tough first six games when you look at Michigan, Navy, uh, you know, Marshall, and now UCF, and now we turn around and play USF this weekend. I mean, that's, I think that's turned out to be a little tougher than we probably anticipated uh, in the preseason. Yeah, I don't think anybody had four ranked opponents in the first seven games when the season started. No, prob- probably not, considering only one of them was you know out of conference. I don't think anyone probably fell at the midway point of the season, maybe at the back end or something, but midway through the year, you were going to be playing probably the three best teams in the American and all of them, you know, being in the top 25. Well, and that's what that that's the, the funny thing about the preseason stuff, Dave. Everybody looked at the schedule and said, man, they caught a break. They're not playing Memphis. They're not playing Tulsa. They're not playing um, who else in the West did they miss? Houston. Houston. Yeah. You're not playing those three teams. Boy, the Bearcats really caught a break. They're missing out on all the teams from the, the power side of the conference. Yeah, not so much. Uh, Tulsa has no. really struggled. Houston still been okay, but not nearly the uh, the juggernaut they've been the past couple years. Uh, and Memphis is good, but they've lost some games. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you know the I think the the frustrating part is that unlike last year where it seemed like no one gave a crap and, you know, you had a poor performance on on a Saturday backed up by idiotic comments on a Tuesday, whether it was, you know, we're, we're better than we were when we took over because of dorm rooms or because of meal plans. I mean, or you got coaches yelling at fans. Like, that just brought on anger because of stupidity. This year, it's, I don't think people are necessarily angry. It's just it's more of a frustration because you can see they're, they're doing everything they can. I mean, there is not a lack of effort. There's not a lack of energy. I think, you know, obviously there's a lack of execution at times. There's a lack of discipline at times. There's a lack of preparedness at times. But the frustration, at least for me as a fan, is just watching and going, they're just not that good. They just don't have enough good players. And there's nothing you can do about that. Like, you can bring in a new coach, which they did, who we all hope has a new culture and a new mentality, but you can't just bring in a bunch of new players that can make an impact. I mean, you're going to bring in new players, but they're all going to be freshmen again. So you're going to be almost kind of doing the same thing over again next year where you're going to be relying on a bunch of redshirt freshmen, freshmen, sophomores, guys like that. So it's 
you know, I don't want to like paint this picture that what's going to happen next year is going to be the same as this year, but it, you know, it's the kind of thing you kind of have to look at and, and, and just hold on and hope that the games come, even though we're not really seeing them on the field, just because I'm just not sure how many difference makers they have right now. No, I agree. I mean, it's, um, that's the part that, you know, you, you're looking for, and that was, I think for me, that was the, the most frustrating part about Central Florida, is it was abundantly clear in that game which team had the better talent. Uh, oh. Across the board. Uh, that, I don't think that was really in doubt before the game. No, but seeing it you know, was a bit of, seeing the, the gap maybe is what I'm getting at. Right. The, 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 the distance between the two is what was a bit alarming. Right. It, you know, you, you, you see Central Florida run a basic route combination, and all of a sudden somebody's running 10 yards behind the defense. And Well, yeah, the first touchdown was a blown coverage by one of the safeties. The second touchdown, Devin Pierce just got beat. Yeah. I mean, they didn't do anything fancy. Just they just ran right by ran him. down the field. And th- that part, I think, you know, as, as, as you're watching games, that's the part that, that can be – a little, you know, disheartening is that you feel like your team's not even um, competitive, per se. And, you know, when you look at the talent, and again, you know, this isn't about placing blame or putting it in one place or taking away from another. Talent matters. It's a talent sport. And, yeah, coaching is great, but... Coaching doesn't overcome a complete lack of speed and athleticism. It's still sports. Like you, well, you still have to go out on the field with what you've got. And if you're that far behind in talent and athleticism, and you know the problem being now, like UCF did what they did so quick um, from the snap. Like the the defensive line didn't even have time to get home. You know, and that's their strongest unit. And teams have just figured out now. If we just get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quick, their top, you know, their top position group is neutralized, and there's not much else they can do. Right. So, I mean, I, you know, and I, I think there's some things that, you know, I, I think if you asked that, and we have asked Luke Fickle, and he's been pretty honest that, you know, there, there, there's been some deficiencies from a coaching standpoint. They're, you know, getting to know the personnel and trying to figure things out. Um, you know, maybe they made some mistakes there and, and moved some guys to some places that they're now figuring out maybe not, you know, wasn't, ex- you know, the, the perfect move for the, the roster or the situation. But now you're six games in and, you know, you can tinker all you want, but the end result is still the end result. The, the guys you're putting out there are still the guys you're putting out there. Now, I would, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing um, a little more, uh, a little, a little more frequently, seeing some fresh faces, uh, not only on special teams, but uh, on the offense and on the defense. Um, I, I, you know, Kobe Bryant's a, a kid I would like to see out there a little bit more. Derek Forrest is a kid I would like to see out there a little bit more. Uh, Jarrell White uh, has been mixed in a pretty decent amount, but I wouldn't mind seeing his reps increase. Like, and this isn't to say to you know to tank the season, but this is if you've got some guys that. Are are in the plan for next year? Get them on the field and get them some work and find out what they've got this year and, and get their experience level up. 
I, I agree, but then I also always go back to the the thought that, and this is what we, you know, we you fight both sides of your brain with on, is like, yeah, put Derek Forrest and Kobe Bryant back there and see what they got. They also, we're, all, we're assuming that they know what the heck they're doing. Right. So if they practice Monday through Thursday and don't give them a reason to put them back there, they're not going to put them back there on Saturday. If they were practicing great, and they had confidence in him, they'll probably play him. Because it, it seems abundantly clear that he's going to do that if guys show that they're ready. So, yes, I want to see them back there. But then I also have to tell myself, well, if if they were truly ready, they probably would be, you know, be back there in some regard. Yeah, maybe. I mean, but, you know, you've also got to do that. You have to move somebody else down the, you know, a veteran or somebody that's been around for a while down the depth chart. And I think coaches struggle with that at times. Uh, and I'm not necessarily saying, you know, make a starter change or make a complete change in the, in the lineup. But if you've got a couple series that you can get those kids out there and see what they've got, I mean, I, I, I think now you kind of – Free yourself up to do that a little more. You're sitting at two and four, and you're kind of searching for answers. See if those answers are are on your roster. Is all you know. And I'm not saying you know take kids that haven't played and burn red shirts and be reckless and irresponsible. But if a guy's played, you know, five six games uh, in in different capacities, see what they've got. See if they can give you a little bit more. Maybe that's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I agree with that. That's why I use those two guys as an example because they've played special teams since the first game of the year. Yeah. So it's not like you're just throwing your fourth-string defensive tackle out there for the hell of it or, you know, another wide receiver that has no business really playing because you have plenty of guys to play. I mean, we're just using – excuse me, them as an example, because they're not going to get red-shirted. So, yeah, I mean, put them out there, see what they can do. You know, hopefully, you know, I I find it hard to believe it can go much worse than it's gone the last couple games. But, but yeah, it's a a frustrating thing. I think we – I think the thing we all thought was, you know, I never – I. Held firm in you know like a six and six prediction, but talked about being more competitive and and they haven't been that. I think the teams they're playing this year are a lot better than who they played last year. Um, I mean, if you just look at take UCF as the example, uh, UCF is leaps and bounds better than they were last year, and last year's game was as uncompetitive or you know the score wasn't as bad, but there's really no difference in last year's game to this year's game. So, you know, I think you're you're going up against a better team. I think some of the teams that they're going to be still to play the rest of this year are probably a little better than we maybe thought uh, going into the season. So I still, you know, I think it's incredibly important to – keep progressing and try to fight through this. I know it's not going to help this week because you're playing another really good team on the road. And, but you just, they got to find a way to keep, keep the energy up and try to stay positive. And I think, especially this week, I think coach Fickle kind of, I don't know the term necessarily, but laid the cards out there. And I thought he was very diplomatic and 
being honest about what's going on without at the same time saying, you know, this is a problem because of what happened before I got here. Because I don't think, no matter what anybody says about Tuberville and how it ended and the last two years specifically, at this point you're six games in. I don't really care about that. This is your team now. Figure it out. I agree. Like we've 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 hashed that out for so long, it's not a talking point anymore. Like you can't just keep saying Tommy Tuberville, Tommy Tuberville. Like, okay, great. Well, are you going to blame him in year three and say that we're still don't have any talent? Well, no, you're not. So what's the point in continuing that conversation now? I thought you were going to say his name three times and he was going to like pop up in your living room. Like Beatles. Well, I, mean, I, I wouldn't mind that. I mean, he'd be a fun guy to hang out with and drink beers with. <laughs> but so I don't really want anything to do with him around my athletic teams. But he could have like called called whatever game was on your TV. Oh, that number eight there, did a nice job in coverage. While he's got a spotter pointing like, at the guy's name, like you, his name's right I'm here. I'm still pretty sure that he does. Even the last year, he didn't know. 25% of his own players' names. <laughs> well, that number 13, he's uh, looking good. How long has he been here? Uh, he's a, he's a redshirt senior. It's his fifth year in the program. Probably, <laughs> probably going to have to learn his name sometime next week. Thanks, Coach. Yeah, so... Chipotle! But, you know. Chipotle! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... Like... I think forty percent of the listeners just turned off this podcast at those impressions. Yeah, unfortunately, (laughs) so that means eight people. Yeah. For the other ten of you, thanks for sticking around. Um, But yeah, you know, you hope it it gets better because you know you don't want any. You know, you have a what's shaping up to be the best recruiting class that the programs ever had and you don't want any excuse for either the commits to start questioning things or other schools to start trying to get back in and saying you know look at the results doesn't matter what they're telling you they can't win so you know it's a whole a whole you know full program thing that they need to try to figure out a way to you know, get this thing turned around a little bit mid-season, which is always a lot easier said than done. That brings me to the next topic that I wanted to get to. Um, recruiting, I think, has been it's been very uh, encouraging to see that they're still able to to build some recruiting momentum, even though they've struggled. They're they're still landing commitments. They're still getting kids with some talent, and, and it hasn't been a situation where everybody's gone ice cold on this coaching staff and they're struggling to, you know, push towards the finish line. You're at, you're at 20 now. Um, and you've only got five spots left. So I think that's at least a good sign for them that they're continuing to, to build some momentum on that front, even though the on-field product has, has not been great. They've had kids on visits the last two weekends that have committed that have watched those games, which I think points to, Kids aren't fans. They, they're not living and dying with each play. They're looking, you know, at the facilities and, and looking at the coaching staff and 
talking to the players on the team, and they're, they're weighing a lot of other factors that aren't just what's the final score. No, and I, and I think I'm a little surprised, not surprised by that they're bringing in a lot of guys, but I pretty much thought once the season started, they weren't going to, you know, based on the numbers, that they probably weren't going to add anybody until, you know, the season was over. You get into that visit period before now the, I guess if you want to call it the early signing day. I don't know what the proper term is, but I'm, you know, so I, it, like you said, it's encouraging that they've gotten, like, targets, and it doesn't it doesn't seem, and I don't know if it ever will with this class, it doesn't seem like they're necessarily moving down the board, so to speak. They're still going after the guys that they want and have a high priority on and or have been able to get them uh, to commit. Yeah, and, you know, I think you, especially you take a look at Dylan O'Quinn. I mean, I think that's the most recent, obviously, commit. I think that's an interesting kid because he he fits – an inline tight end, if you want to keep him there with his size already at what, six foot five, 255, 260 pounds. Um, if you get him here and he puts on 30 pounds pretty easily and all of a sudden he's at 285, 290, you've got yourself the makings of an offensive tackle that, you know, plays pretty physical and has a little bit of nasty to him and, and obviously moves his feet well if he's, uh, you know, play, playing on the outside at tight end. So, um, I think very encouraging with him uh, being added to this class. For sure. I think, you know, that's – I mean, you never want to, like, totally write off a position when you're talking about a high school kid. I just – I have a hard time believing that he's not going to eventually be a, a tackle. Uh, you know, I don't – I have no idea. what I'm not privy to any conversation they – have with him, uh, even at his size now, he's he's NFL tight end size now. Obviously, he probably doesn't have the speed. But, I mean, if he was even to be an inline tight end in college, those guys aren't as big as him, even right, right now. So, I mean, your inline tight ends in college are 230, 235, uh, you know, so I, I just see him moving outside and I can or inside to a tackle position and you have a guy that's played defensive end, played tight end, and would probably retain a good bit of that athleticism. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, you you, you put a kid like that with Brady Quinn and if if he – Brady Quinn, Brady Collins. Brady Quinn. He's going to get huge arms. Yeah, Brady Collins. Uh, Brady Quinn might make a good strength and conditioning coach if he's allowed. Arms. He's allowed to give you steroids. <laughs> uh, you put a kid like that with Brady Collins, and, and you've got a chance to see a kid really, you know, put on some good weight and, and hopefully be a guy that's if he does move inside, a guy that's athletic and can give you uh, something that you haven't had at tackle in a while. So. Um, you know, the, the recruiting stuff I think is still positive. I think you're still looking at uh, one wide receiver, one defensive end, one linebacker, and two offensive linemen for the final five spots. Um, it's still going to be interesting, though, because, you know, 
they just offered Eric McDuffie, defensive lineman from Louisville. Uh, obviously, they're still going to wait for Michi Harris and Chris Oates. And I have no reason to believe that they're not still actively recruiting Aeneas Hawkins. And there could be other players that were, you know, not necessarily privy to. So with five spots available, you know, the numbers don't really shake out at this point. So it'll be interesting to see how they try to make this work if, you know, if they're able to, if something happens with Aeneas Hawkins or, Something happens with and and the other thing is like you know they're not going to not bring guys in in December and January, right? So you know with with that few spots left, it's not like you know they're still going to bring they're still going to go after you know players they think they can get whether they're available or committed to other schools, and you're going to have a I think you're going to have a lot of coaching turnover after this season. So guys are going to become available and you never know what happens in that regard. So it just, there's still so much in flux to only have, you know, five spots left that it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds. That's what we have Shane for. We'll have him on it. Good boy. Yeah. <laughs> something to do. Um, I guess looking forward, let's take a look at Saturday. Uh, they play a Central Florida team, South Florida, South Florida team that uh, very good on offense, forty-five or so points a game. Very good on defense, twenty or so points a game allowed. A uh, little bit more uh, ground-oriented than Central Florida. Um, they another team that puts up five hundred yards a game. So this defense is going to have to do some soul-searching this week. Uh, but, but South Florida does it 300 yards a game on the ground and then uh, 200 yards a game in the air. So another, yeah. another balanced team, and um, they, they've just got to find a way to get some more resistance defensively. Right. I mean, their offense is it's similar, but it's different than it, than it was under Willie Taggart. They're not running Quentin Flowers as much in the like pure spread quarterback run that they they used to. I mean, he's still running plenty, but it's not. It won't be what people. If you haven't seen South Florida yet this year, it won't be just the pure like sprint out run plays and and things like that. But I mean. Their two running backs have been impressed, impressive so far this year. Uh, Dearness Johnson and Darius Tice, who was actually once committed to UC. He is a bruising running back. They're both pretty big guys. But, um, yeah, they they want to run the ball, and they've got, a, you know, they've got a couple guys with that South Florida speed that they can hit over the top, and it's just tough to, tough to slow them down right now in their defense is at or near the top in the in the country in interceptions. I, I think it was helped by playing Temple, who I think in the second half 
three of their first four pass attempts were interceptions. Isn't but, uh, you know, isn't Dearness Johnson to Shumby's brother? Uh, cousin, stepbrother, something like that. They're they're related, I do believe. Yeah, I thought I remembered that from back in the day. Yeah, so it's you know. Well, you've got another... Tice Johnson and Flowers have all run for between four and five hundred yards. Yeah, and that's that's well above. Flowers ran for 1,600 yards last year, which you say that, and it's just an obscene number for a quarterback. But Sterling Gilbert, their new offensive coordinator that came along with Charlie Strong, he had never had a quarterback run for over 160 yards in a season. So for him to tailor his offense, that was one question that I had coming in, was how was he going to run an offense with Flowers, being that he's a runner first, and an improved passer. But, I mean, he's on pace for another 1,000-yard rushing season, even in an offense that is relying on two running backs way more than they had in the past, even when they had Marlon Mack and Dearness Johnson as their top two running backs last year. Yeah, I mean, the the balance that they've got is impressive. What you know that will be it'll be interesting to see if that plays into Cincinnati's hand a little bit because I think the strength of that defense is the front seven is your defensive line and your linebackers so if this game is played more at the line of scrimmage I think that gives the Bearcats a chance to at least slow them down a little bit more if they open it up and they look at the Central Florida tape and just say you know what we're attacking the back end um, I think you could see trouble again but yeah. Flowers I mean, Flowers is only completing 52% of his passes. He's not the passer that Cincinnati has seen the past couple weeks. No, not at all. I mean, Mackenzie Milton from UCF, I mean, I don't know what his future holds, but I struggle not knowing the full scale of everybody in the league, him not being – probably the preseason player of the year next year in the conference. I think he is really, really good. And he's only a sophomore. Yeah, I mean, I was very impressed last week. He made quick reads. He got the ball out quick, got it on target to guys that were in space to make plays, pushed the ball down the field when the Cincinnati defense uh, gave him that. And, I mean, overall, he just he had a, he had a very impressive game. Flowers, a different kind of quarterback. Um but it, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they do look at that tape and say, "Let's attack." And, and once again, Cincinnati playing a team coming off a bye week, and they get it again next week. SMU on a bye week this week. SMU uh, is Cincinnati, who they play for homecoming next week. I I don't know how how much you quantify that, but it's a fact. Like it's a factor at some level. Well, it, yeah, of course, because. You know, you get extra time to go. Well, our game, our our normal game plan is this, but looking at how UC has played the last couple of weeks, if if we just take a couple of shots early in the game and we happen to connect, we can end the game in the first quarter. Yeah. So where they might have thought, well, we'll just continue with our typical game plan of getting you know getting the running game going getting flowers going with some easy, you know, rollout passes or whatever, where now they might go, well, shit, 
let's just chuck it and see what happens because they haven't been able to stop anybody from doing that the last two weeks. And if we hit on a couple, the the game changes and it's probably over. Yeah, I just I just want to see a like a ten to seven first quarter. <laughs> is that too much to ask, Dave? I, I don't think it is. I mean, we're not we're not asking for like up to be up twenty one nothing. Just like give yourself a sh- because that's the thing is like see, I think I feel like the offense has gotten better. Like I I think the last two weeks. Hayden Moore has played pretty darn good. Yeah. But, like we've talked about, you don't give yourself a shot because you're already down 21 to 7, 31 to 13 at halftime. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think it really mattered against Central Florida because you, you gave up seven touchdowns and a field goal in eight right. possessions, and last time I checked, seven plus one was eight. <laughs> well, I mean, we're we're six games into the season, and a third of the teams we've played haven't punted. That that's got to be like some kind of record. That's not good. No, it's not good. You want to talk some basketball? Well, what's your prediction? Talk, what's your prediction for hoops. what's your prediction for Saturday? Um. Well, I mean, last time we went down there, we were down 51-3 to at halftime. So, um, I'm actually going to go the exact same score as last week, 51-23. I think I went 49-24. I think that's what my, my prediction was on this. 49-24 South Florida. I don't feel, I don't feel good about it. But I think that's UC covering by a considerable, by like a touchdown. So They're 24 and a half point dogs right now. So you would be uh, losing your bet by a half a point. Well, then I'm right on target. I, I feel good about it. Never mind. I feel good. <laughs> I'm back to feeling good. Uh, did you make the, uh, the over or the under on your birthday tailgate? Uh, probably, probably under. By a, by a hair. You haven't gone over yet. I'm kind of disappointed in you. No, I, I'm... Uh, what game was it? Was it the first game? One game I was definitely over. <laughs> definitely over. Yeah, one one game I was definitely over. That was probably Austin P. Yeah, probably it was, was. It was warm that day. Yeah. I know you say you like drinking better in 70 degrees, but in 85 degrees, I think you, you tend to pack them down had, a little bit faster. I probably had the first game juice, though. Yeah, I true. I was, I was hyped up. Probably true. Probably true. All right, basketball. I'll let you host. I'll co-host now. Take it All over. All right. So you have you've been to several practices. You were at the... Allegedly. Uh for allegedly, you've been to several practices, Practice. and allegedly, you're at a quote-unquote scrimmage sometime within the last seven days. Put some stuff on the board so we don't need to get into everything, but 
what's like a, a, tw- a tweet version of what you've seen so far. Karen Cumberland and Gary Clark are the two best players on this team. <laughs> Jacob Evans is the most <gasps> talented player. I think Gary and, and Jacob are the or Gary and, and Jaron are the two best players on this team. Well, that's a good thing when your two best players aren't your most talented, because that means your most talented can be your best player on any night. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing with this team. There's, you know, I think Kane is struggling a little bit right now with how hard Mick is coaching him. Um, but we knew that was going to happen. Like, I'll well, I'm sure have cash on a, a basketball podcast before we get the season rolling. But you know. Mick is very hard on his point guards. You're you're running the show for his program. He's going to be very hard on you. And Kane didn't have that last year. Troy got that wrath last year. So I think there, it takes some adjustment time. I think it takes some time for a guy to get used to the coach constantly getting after you. And you got to learn how to compartmentalize that and how to just kind of let it go. And I think he's still in that process. Uh, while he's still in that process, things might be a little bit of a struggle. Um, hopefully that gets worked out in October. You know, I'm sure they'll, they'll scrimmage another time or two before the red-black scrimmage, then they'll have the Bellarmine game, and I don't even know who the other exhibition is at this point. I think it's Green Valley State. Okay, whatever it is. You know, you'll have a couple yeah. exhibition games to get that under control. You'll have a couple games early in November. And then by the time you hit the Cayman Islands, he's going to need to be ready to be the point guard of this team. Um, you know, I, I think I've been encouraged by what I've seen out of Justin Jennifer these past couple weeks, but you you don't get that scoring element with Justin Jennifer. Uh, I think he has improved at putting the ball in the basket, but he's not a guy that's going to, you know, on any given night get you 22 points. That's not who he is. That's not his game. Uh, Kane does have that ability, so you need to get him full go. And when you do, you've got a team that on any given night, any one of five guys can not only lead you in scoring, but lead you with 25 points. You know what I mean? Like, it's one thing when you've got a bunch of guys that can lead you in scoring, but nobody can score over 16. If you've got a bunch of guys that, given a matchup advantage or – style of play advantage or whatever it may be on that given night against that given opponent. You've got one guy that can give you 25 and then another guy that can have 20 and another one with 18. And, and then all of a sudden, if they play defense like we think Mick, a Mick Cronin team will, you've got blowouts and you've got games that allow you to, to maybe take a look at some other guys and allow you to give your guys some rest as you get into that stretch um, in early, you know, starting December 2nd, where you go Xavier out on the road, Florida neutral, Mississippi State at home, uh, UCLA on the road in 14 days. You know, that, that's coming fast. That's less than two months away. So um, they've got to be ready for that. They've, they've got to be ready to, to step up and, and, and be a top team in the nation in that stretch of games because that – Stretch of games in a lot of ways could determine the future of this team. Are you going to are you going to compete for a three seed or a two seed, or are you going to be stuck as a five or six seed, where if you make it to the round of thirty two, you've got a 
you know, a, a coin flip of a game to make it to the Sweet 16? Or do you give yourself a chance where you can play a 7 seed or a 10 seed or, you know, a, 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 a 6, 11, 11. Or, yeah, 6 or an 11 or whatever the case may be? You want to have that uh, advantage. You, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where getting to the Sweet 16 uh, you're a three-point underdog or whatever the case may be. You know, you, That's how you consistently advance in the tournament over the long run. It's not by upsets. Upsets happen, but they're usually one-offs. They're not something that happens um, regularly in specific situations. So uh, that stretch in December is going to be critical for this bunch, Dave. Do you think part of maybe – Kane's struggles, too, comes from the fact of just as a totally different mentality from from his part where before he ran the show, it didn't matter how many turnovers he had. It didn't matter how many shots he put up. He, he was needed to be that guy where now he still needs to keep that scoring mentality, but he's also now he's got to set dudes up because – Jacob, Gary, Jaron, Kyle, they're going to want their shots. So it's its him not turning the ball over because Mick won't tolerate it, but then it's also him understanding that he's, he's now more of a true point guard versus a you know, total scoring point guard because his team didn't have any other option. Well, I haven't really seen that be a problem for him since he got here. Uh, I, he hasn't been, you know, a ball hog per se. He he hasn't been a I'm going to get my shots guy. Uh, he doesn't have a problem uh, playing with the toys that are, on, you know, in the playroom. Um, so I don't know that that's, that's it as much as it's, it, you know, silly turnovers Mick's just not going to tolerate. It's silly you know, there was a, a something the other day where he came off a, a pick and roll and he kind of half-assed a one-arm pass to the wing and Keith Williams jumped it and took it down for a, an uncontested dunk. Like, something like that you, you can't do if you play for Mick Cronin or you're not going to play. I mean, that's just the cold, harsh reality of the situation. If you want to play for Mick, you're going to have to take care of the ball in those situations and, and just not be careless with it. Like, he's not going to get upset if you're, you know, going full speed towards the rim and, and you make a spin move and the ball accidentally bounces off your foot. Like, that that's not the type of stuff that's going to get you a, a seat um, at the next whistle. It's making a, an ill-advised, you know, just kind of a lazy, um, you take, you know, you take your, your mental lapse that that's the kind of stuff that that's why you end up with a 0.76 assist to turnover ratio. Those are the type of mistakes that cause that. Um, so you know, there's there's some adjustment in that. You know, the expectations are, are different. There, there's also some adjustment in you just got to mentally stay sharp uh, at, at all times, especially if they're going to be a top 10, top 15 team that is going to be an, uh, a sleeper for an Elite Eight or a Final Four or something along those lines. You know, that you can't make those mistakes. You can't give if you're playing, you know, I don't know, North Carolina in the Elite Eight. You give them four points on two lazy passes that result in dunks, 
those four points could be the deciding factor in the game. Like they, they, it's just the the stuff that you've got to tighten up. And the good news is it's October 11th. There's time to tighten those things up, and, and that's that's why you have the coach being hard on you on October 10th is so that you know by the time you get to November that you you're you're thinking differently that you're seeing the game a little bit differently that you're not having that mental lapse uh and instead maybe you're you know coming off that screen and and double checking where the guy is and and when you see the defender in the passing lane you reverse the ball opposite or something you know what I mean something along those lines where it's just mental training and getting those those imperfections out of you as you prepare for a season so I'm not I'm not definitely not at the point where I'm concerned about Kane um, for this season. I just think it's part of the learning process and part of the learning curve. Without going guy by guy, just who we've talked about Jennifer either on a podcast or on the board a lot. What do you see from the bench this year, whether it's uh, any returners or any of the freshmen that you think can make an impact? Um, I like what I've seen from Nizier Brooks. I've talked about that for most of the offseason. I, I think the biggest thing with him still is at times um, he gets sped up offensively and, and he'll make a move too quick and he just he won't have his timing down right uh, and it'll cause in a you know a, a bad miss from two feet. Um, when he takes his time and when he is in rhythm. He's making them at, at a high clip, and, and he's damn near impossible to guard because he's so big and he's such a good athlete. <clears throat> you know, I think that's that's a continued key for him. Um, I mean, I, I I talked about Keith quite a bit uh, on the board yesterday, <clears throat> and just that his his IQ, especially in transition, is is very high level. Um, he just knows how to get to the rim, how to make the right pass, how to uh, to make the right play to, to get a dunk or to get the ball in the basket. Um, he, he's very good in the passing lanes. He's got great anticipation defensively. Uh, so it's, it's how he gets a lot of steals. The interesting thing for me is he's been a, a secondary ball handler quite a bit. Um, I talked to a, an NBA guy um, allegedly yesterday after the scrimmage. And he was talking about, you know, potentially he sees Keith as a guy that could be an NBA point guard if he continues his development. Now, obviously a long way from there now, but with his athleticism, with the ball skills that he's already showing, um, you know, it, he's got that kind of long-term potential, you know, if you're looking two years down the road or whatever it may be. So um, very impressed with him. Uh, rough day for Trevor in the scrimmage. They had had two a days the two days prior to the scrimmage. I think his legs were a little flat because you could tell he was, um, was relying strictly on his arms, on his jump shot. Um, that won't be the case when we get to games. I'm not, I'm not too concerned about Trevor. Mamadou, how about this yesterday? But hold on. Before we move on to this, does, did Trevor have intergalactic range? He did on a couple shots, and he missed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he had one he pulled up about. NBA range with the guy with the hand up and, and banged it, which kind of raised some eyebrows. Um, like I said, he, he was, you could tell his legs were a little shot yesterday. Um, Mamadou. So Keith comes down on a fast break and it's just Keith and Mamadou and Keith jabs left 
hits a spin move back to the right, kind of a, a reverse pivot spin move, and, and all the makings of just a great finish in transition. And Mamadou didn't bite on the jab, slid his feet two steps on the spin, and met that thing at the glass and just smacked the shit out of it. And it was like that. It, it, he he has no idea what he's doing at time most of the time. But he flashes some potential sometimes that you're just like, my God, if this kid ever really puts it together. And the not knowing what he's doing thing is just the nature of being a freshman. I mean, you know, most of them have no idea what they're doing two weeks into practice. That's not a a knock on him. I think he's worked very hard. Um, I wondered, because he's kind of an outgoing, kind of a goofy guy, how he would take to some pretty harsh coaching. Haven't seen one issue from him at all, and he's been great listening to Gary Clark when Gary you know, pulls him aside and talks to him about what, you know, what, what that was happening on a certain play or what the staff is looking for out of him. Um, he's got a nasty streak to him a little bit that's interesting because it, it doesn't really match his uh, off-the-court personality. He's fouled a couple dudes a couple times where it's like, whoa, brother, take it easy. This is practice. Yeah. Whoa, buddy. But he, like, you know, he, he's he put the hammer on a couple guys where he's instantly, like, he knows he's instantly sorry, but he's competitive in that minute where he's trying to prevent a layup or keep something from happening. And you're like, whoa, hey, that guy's on your team. Like, you might be wearing red and he's wearing black right now, but that's still your guy. Dial it down a bit. Is, is, is he pushing 6'10"? Yeah, he's every bit of six nine and a half. I, if he, if he's he, got. I mean, they shot that little video yesterday. Just talking about the freshman. He's got a pretty pretty sweet jumper for a freshman he, that's pushing six ten. He's skilled, man. I mean, he can handle the ball. He's skilled. He can shoot it. Um, he's got a soft touch. He's got range out the three. Once he once he starts learning, you know the intricacies of of how to play offense on college in college, how to play defense in college. Uh, the potential is immense. I mean, it's, it's 100% there. Um, just a matter of getting it out of him. So that's, uh, that's on the staff. I, I don't know, you know, especially because Gary's going to get a ton of minutes and, you know, Trey Scott's going to get some minutes. Um, I don't know, you know, if we see all of that blossom this year, but, here in the not-so-distant future, that kid's got a chance to be really, really good. Really, really good. So, and that's, oh, why the staff was, that, that's why the staff was so high on him back in the spring and summer before he committed to Washington because you can see it undeniably when you start watching him play that it's in there. We will, uh, we will talk again next week after – uh, American Athletic Conference Basketball Media Day, which I believe is Monday. So we will have a first team, an, a rookie team, a player of the year, coach of the year, things like that. Um, I, I don't think it's any surprise that the, the one, two, whatever order you're going to put them is UC and Wichita State. Who do you think makes up if they keep it to five, I don't know if they're going to keep it position-based, but who do you see is probably the uh, preseason uh, first team for the for the conference? I think there's some, 
intriguing guys on some some teams that maybe aren't getting as much recognition. Um, I think Larry Shamit will probably be the first team point guard. Although, if you want my personal opinion, I think B.J. Taylor's the best point guard in this league. Well, that's kind of like... So if we just go if we just go five guys, if you go Landry Shamit, I mean I think that's a no brainer. I think Jake and Gary are no brainers. So then is it do you have three point guards? Do you have Landry Shamit, Rob Gray, and B J Taylor? No, I, I don't mean, think you do. If you're, well, if you're I, your Gray five, Gray you can count as a two guard. But if you're picking your five best players, I'm just saying, like, are they picking a point guard, a shooting guard, a small forward, a power forward, and a center, or are they just picking the five best players? Generally, it stays positional for the most part because it's done by coaches, and that's just how coaches think. Right. Right? So let's say you go Let's say you go Shamit. Let's say you go Jake. Let's say you go Gary. Um, you go Taco Fall at the five, right? See, I, I I struggle to think that that's how they would, even though coaches think that way. Like, I don't think Mick would think that way. I think Mick would put B.J. Taylor on there. you got to go Shake Milton, right? Okay, exactly. There's the other one. So how do you have – so Shake, like, to me it's Landry, Shake, Jake, and Gary, and then either Rob Gray, B.J. Taylor, what about Josh Brown? Even though he didn't play last year, he's one of the best players in the league. Comeback player of the year. Yeah, I guess you could slide, <laughs> you could, you could slide him in there. <laughs> Comeback player of the year. Um, but, I'm just trying to get, like, trying to refresh my brain. Memphis doesn't have anybody. You got Jalen Adams at UConn still. Yeah, I don't think he's a. I don't think he's a first team guy. Well, he was the first team guy last year, right? Yeah, and then he showed why he's not. Yeah. Um. Nobody at Tulsa. Nobody, nobody at, at USF. Nobody ECU, at Memphis. Or, nobody at ECU. Or Tulane. No. I mean, Obi Etchenonia. Dude, that guy's so freaking overrated. I know, but he keeps ending up like first, second team. Like everybody talks about him. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to he put my brain like in the coach's eight and brain. Six last year. He did not have a good year. No, he did not. Um, so I'm he, gonna go Taco. I'm just gonna go Taco. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little bit up. I'm gonna go. Shamit, Rob Gray, Shake, uh, Evans, and Gary. I mean, I wouldn't be against that. Yeah, you got one point guard, one forward, and, and three guards. Um, you could argue, I guess, that Jake's a small forward. Yeah. As opposed to a shooting guard. So. So you just wouldn't have a center, and it's not, you know, there's not, there's not a, a great deal of centers in this. There's league not a to begin center. With. Is there a center even in the league besides Taco? Taco? I mean, like, a flak D from Temple plays the position, but, I mean, yeah, he's Kyle, I, Kyle's not a center. No. I mean, 
So my next one, if we go, you see Wichita State somewhere one two. Who's your third best team? Central Florida. That's mine too, and I don't think they're going to be picked third. I think SMU's picked third. I think I agree. I think they're picked third by default. And I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, they, they, you get Jimmy Witt, you get the kid coming in from South Florida. Um, that's really yeah, good. McMurray midway through the season. Yeah. I think. I mean, but I, UCF gets some guys. I think they get some guys. I know they get Dawkins' kid who transferred from Michigan. Yeah. I just I, I I just love BJ Taylor and that team defensively when Taco Fall is on the floor is damn near impossible to score on. Yeah. I I may be wrong on that. Maybe they're not as good as I think they're going to be. I, I really like Central Florida for the third best team in the league. I think it'll be close with them in SMU. Um, I I, just, I agree. SMU. SMU I really like, but man, they you can't it's so hard in that situation to lose two quality NBA guys. And they lost two quality NBA guys. And they're replacing them with two talented transfers, but Well, they lost two quality NBA guys, but I actually think their most important player was Ben Moore. Yeah, and they lost they lost him too. Well, because I mean of, it's hard because of his versi- his versatility and Yeah, but he Jimmy was him- to run Jimmy their was offense pretty damn the way they too, did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's not anywhere near as good as Semi or Sterling Brown was, but I, I think when he wasn't on the floor, they were so heavily perimeter that they didn't have that guy at the high post. They didn't have yeah. that offensive rebounder. That I think he was he was a big reason that they were able to do what they did. Who's fifth? Temple. You think Temple? Yeah. I and won't argue think, that. And then I think that's where it stops. Like I think you're I not think, you're not in on Houston. Uh, I just, I don't know. I struggle. As good of a player as Rob Gray is, I don't think I'd want him on my team. <laughs> That's one way to put it. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, I don't think you can win with him. But he's That's he's fair. really good. But I don't think you can win with him. I, um... And Dodson's gone. Devin Davis will be so- really solid for them. He's solid. And Chicken Knowles, I think, finally graduated. I'm pretty sure he was... On YouTube when they were in Conference USA. After a 14-year career, Chicken Knowles has graduated. Which got progressively worse from being (laughs) almost a five-star coming out of high school. Dude, him and and, um, what's-his-nuts at UConn. Oh, Amita Vrima. Yeah, they progressively got worse. Well, I mean, if you're coached by Kevin Ollie, that's kind of what happens. It's inevitable, yes. Um, But I I don't... (laughs) So UConn, you've got sixth. Uh, or seventh. I got UConn or Houston sixth, and then the other one seventh. And then I don't give you, a crap about who's. You could argue. Two. You could argue, not that I would personally argue. You could argue UConn has the third most talent in the league. 
Um, let's see. You got Jalen Adams, Terry Larry if he's healthy, Altery Gilbert, and who else? I don't know off the top of my head. I don't have the roster in front of me. <laughs> I don't either. I don't have a, my computer up for anything. Now, they, they don't have a lot of size. No, and, and they and don't have a lot of size. Diara. They graduated whatever. They graduated Brian. They graduated Kenneth Stacy. Um, the Jerome Durham Purvis. transferred. The, the Stephen Enoch transferred. Uh, Ray Purvis Allen graduated. transferred. Um, everybody transferred. That, Khalid Al Amin transferred. That, that could possibly get a rebound. So they thought they had prob- problems guarding the problem last year. He might go for thirty twenty against them this year. He loves playing UConn. Oh my god! No str- and the funniest part about it is their fans know it and hate it. Oh, they like, hate Gary Clark. They hate they him. They hate Gary Clark. All right. Anything else? Uh, Fran Dunphy, Coach of the Year. Of course. Why wouldn't he be? It's the Fran Dunphy Memorial AAC yeah. Coach of the Year trophy. So, of course, Fran Dunphy wins it. Who's the, who's the freshman of the year? That's a great question. Probably Gilbert, if if – He's any good? Because I think he's gonna, ha- you know, he's gonna have a lot of opportunity. Does he count? Um, I guess. Yeah, because he redshirted, okay. so he's still he's a freshman. That, he's a freshman. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, or you know, it'll you'll you'll get those teams from the the middle to the bottom that'll you know that that have a, a position of need. A guy's gonna come in and start, and he's gonna put up ten, eleven points a game or whatever, and and put his name in the mix. Um. Call me biased. Outside of Gilbert, I don't think there's a freshman in this league better than Keith Williams. Yeah. What uh, What team outside of what we consider to be the top six do you think has the best shot to finish inside the top six? Whoever's not, UConn or Houston? No. Bad, bad but you question. said the top six, and one of those has got to be seven, so you messed up your question. Which team um, that we think sucks won't suck? I mean, it, Tulsa has a chance to be pretty solid. I thought they were having a decent year last year until that Cincinnati game when everything, the wheels fell off for them. Yeah. Um, I think they, they could surprise some people. Um, I like what Dunleavy's done. That's, that's who I, I was going to say. I think they're... I think they got some young guys yeah. that played a ton of minutes. And I think they'll be not. I don't even know if I would go as far as sneaky good, but I don't think they're they're terrible. They're not blowout every night. They're. I think they're going to beat somebody in the top, you know, four in the league that you know raises the eyebrows. And I think they're the team that could be in that you know six seven range. ECU's going to stink. Memphis is going to stink. I South Florida is right? going to be worse South than Florida's all of them. Gonna, gonna, South Florida might be one of the, the five worst teams in Division One. although which everybody say, loves Brian Gregory. Which is saying something because they were really, 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 really terrible last year. 
and then everybody transferred. <laughs> yeah. All the good players from a really bad team transferred. That's usually a bad sign. How many games so, did Tubby Smith make it through the season? Before he either just says, screw this, or they fire him. I'd have to look at that. I don't think they fire him mid-season. You don't see I, that I think, a lot in basketball like you do in football. No, and, and not with, the, you know, Tubby, yeah, it's a bad fit down there. But when you get inside of an athletic department, like, Tubby's such a good dude. He's a good dude. He's not going to, like, piss anybody off. and He's pissed a lot of people off in Memphis, but not the people that are that are hiring and firing, I don't Right, think. like the greasy AAU coaches and dudes' uncles and stuff like right. that. <laughs> um, I think he makes it through the year. He probably but, does. But, they're but he's probably out at the end of the year. All sorts of dog crap. Really bad. Really bad. Which, I might be going down there for New Year's because we play them on New Year's Eve, and the, the Grizz have a home game the day before, and I happen to know someone who has season tickets to vote. Ooh. So we might need to do like a Bearcat Journal meetup or uh, something on Beale Street, New Year's Eve. You driving? Probably not. <laughs> oh. Well, never mind then. Be that way. Yeah. You're going to fly to Memphis? Maybe. I don't know. Depends on how I'm feeling. <laughs> all right. That's going to wrap it up. We've gone too far. Dave would sit here and ask me AAC questions all week if he could. Uh, no you one love, took me up AAC. on the offer to send me to wherever. Where is it next week? I don't know. I imagine it's New York City. I thought that's where yeah, it's been. No, no one years. wanted to. No one said that they'll send me, so I can ask Kevin Ollie questions. <clears throat> if anyone wants to send Dave to New York City as a sponsor for Bearcat Journal, contact Dave at Bearcat Journal on Twitter. That's right. All right. Thanks to our special guest, Dave Simone. <laughs> Just pleasure. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up for this week. We'll see you next time. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.